How's it going, everybody? Adrian here, and welcome back to the Gaming Observer Daily News Updates for Thursday, July the 21st. Hey folks, hope you're doing well, and uh, good news, we have plenty to talk about today. Let's jump into it. The first thing I'll mention is that Konami has given an update regarding their football series, Pro Evolution Soccer, otherwise known as PES, and they're pretty much doing a complete overhaul of the game, including they're renaming it. So, Pro Evolution Soccer is now being called eFootball, and not only that, it is going to be a free-to-play game. They're also going to be releasing the game on mobile, with the intention that there can be cross-play. And they're doing this because there's a lot more players on the mobile versions of the previous games, although if they want to play together, then mobile people will have to have a controller connected. And of course, if you tend to play these types of games, there's plenty of details in there about what kind of content you can see, the roster, and uh, yeah, evidently they wanted to make some kind of business change here, and I'm assuming it's in order to be competitive with something like FIFA, and we'll see how people think of it. Hopefully it's a good change. Two different games are shutting down today, after relatively short life cycles. One of them is from Ubisoft, Tom Clancy's Elite Squad, which is a mobile game, and it's coming down after just one year. They're shutting down the servers on October 4th. I will say the game did not perform terribly, but evidently the amount of money they put into it was not sustainable for them, and I'm pretty sure interest has just plummeted ever since the game released, so... If you happen to be one of the few players playing that game, there's your heads up. We also heard from Bandai Namco saying that... One Punch Man, a hero nobody knows, is also going to be shutting down its multiplayer servers. This is not a mobile game, this is a 3D fighting game on console and PC. And it's going to be shutting down on February 28th of next year. That's two years the game has been up. And according to Steam, there's only been around only a few people playing the game. So, again, just a heads up. We got a notice here from Valve saying that they're actually going to be replacing their big picture mode with the new UI that's coming for the upcoming Steam Deck. Now, if you didn't know, big picture mode was like an alternative way of browsing Steam that was easy to use with a controller. And since they're going to be releasing their own hardware that needs its own UI, they just decided to supplement that into Big Picture. I know a lot of people had complaints about Big Picture, so hopefully this is going to be a good thing if the new UI is better. And uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. No ETA on that yet. And with the time that I have left here, I just want to talk a little bit about Ubisoft. And this isn't about any particular news item, but we got uh, a few articles from Kotaku. And just in general, I think Ubisoft is in this very intriguing spot in the industry right now, and intriguing isn't necessarily a good thing. So one of the articles that Kotaku did talks about Skull and Bones, which is their upcoming pirate game, and how the game has been in development for eight years, which is way longer than most games, and how the game started as an expansion to Assassin's Creed, and then it turned into a completely separate concept, and then another separate concept, and it just kind of keeps looping and changing with no real progress. And when Kotaku talked to employees, they got a whole bunch of different answers. Some people blamed the lack of direction. Some people blamed the issues with leadership at Ubisoft Singapore, who's making the game. And we'll talk more about that in a sec. Some people are saying, hey, this is a very rushed game. They tried to make it as fast as possible. And as a result, there's always problems. And then it just became a major headache. If you're interested in how crazy game development can be, I encourage you to read that one. It's quite lengthy. And then they made another article talking all about specifically Ubisoft Singapore. 
because a whole bunch of studios within Ubisoft have had tons of issues over the last couple of years talking about toxic leadership and masculinity, racial pay disparities, sexual harassment, discrimination against non-French speakers. And we hear about that from all of their studios, Montreal, Toronto, Quebec, the head Paris office. But we never really heard much from Singapore. And well, surprise, surprise, it's not all that much better. They actually opened the Singapore studio because of some tax benefits and because they made an agreement with the Singaporean government. And I believe there was a reference that said that the reason why Skull and Bones hasn't been nixed up to this point is because it was part of their agreement with the government. And anyway, I think they kind of sum it up quite nicely here. Quote, No one would expect a 30-year-old company with more than 10,000 employees to transform its workplace culture overnight. But a year after Ubisoft was the center of widespread allegations of employee misconduct, harassment, and bullying, there are plenty within the company who feel it hasn't acted quickly or decisively enough. End quote. Ubisoft have been at the center of a lot of this, as many other companies have too. And I admire the work that outlets like Kotaku will do in order to expose this stuff. Hopefully it leads to something better. My friends, that's all the time we have. Thank you for joining me. Back with whatever news there is tomorrow. And until next time, happy gaming, everyone. It is the TGO After Show. Hello and welcome. Hello and welcome. Yeah, it's really hard to talk about articles like the ones that Kotaku made because they are so massive. They are just huge, huge articles with so much information condensed that, you know, for me to summarize it in 30 seconds is impossible. But they are very much an interesting read, no doubt. And I feel like it really demystifies a lot of the game development process. Like, imagine, you know... You play games your whole life, you dream of making video games, you get hired by Ubisoft, one of the biggest studios in the world, and then you're stuck on a project for eight years, and there's no end in sight. No thank you. Imagine being an eight-year veteran of the gaming industry, and then somebody asks you, hey, okay, so what games have you shipped? And you just scratch your head. It sucks. It's not great. Now, granted, I don't think there's too many people that were around for the entirety of that eight years. There was a lot of churn at the company, but even that's a pretty bad sign, isn't it? Anyway, I'll stop talking about it. I think if I were ever to become a game creator, I would want it to be on my own. Or, I don't know, I've always thought about, like, what would I do working at a video game company? And I'm not really perfect for any kind of role. I'm not an artist. I'm not a good designer. I'm not an engineer or a programmer. Like, most of the roles that you would see in a game studio are not really suited for me and my skill set. The only thing I can really think of would be like a producer role. I think one of the things I've always been best at is not necessarily creating things myself, but highlighting the work of other people. When I worked in theater, I worked behind the scenes because I was an actor, but I wasn't a great actor. So I spent my time trying to make other actors look incredible, or dancers or whatever. So if I could get into some kind of position where I've just got a bunch of creatives around me that have great ideas and artists that are great at art, and they just need somebody to, to help them along. You know, I think one of my skills is uh, workflows, production, project management. I haven't done a ton of project management, but the little that I have done, I think, is probably where I'm strongest. But, you know, video game producer or project manager, you gotta really love video games, right? I think for most roles in the video game industry, you really need to love video games because... Typically, you can make a lot more money working anywhere else. It's actually really fascinating. Like, the video game industry is 
bigger than all the other industries combined, entertainment industries, and the pay is not great unless you're a top-level executive. Granted, you know, like 50% or something like that of all video game income is on mobile, 75% maybe, and those companies are thriving. I don't know how they pay their people, but uh, that also makes sense, right? Like, mobile games are designed to be money machines. Most mobile games are not for the creatives, it's for the, uh, well, the, the people who are good at making money. Again, I say most. If you're listening to this and you are a mobile game developer, I'm not ragging on you. I mean, I, I work at a mobile analytics company, like, a, you know, I'm a part of that machine. But I think it's far more likely that if you're going to go into the gaming industry because you love video games, uh, you're probably not going to go work at a mobile studio. You're going to work at a traditional console studio or an indie studio or make your own game. And I will say, I think that I would one day like to make my own video game. I have no idea what it would be. I probably would have no idea until the program is in front of me. Because I'm definitely one of those people that loves to... Like, I'm not precious about my ideas, if that makes sense. If I've ever done any creative work, I've never once been like, oh, it has to be this. Or, oh, I have this vision, you know? For me, it's literally always been make something, put it in front of someone, see what they say, and then make it again or do something different. It's very much something I took from my mom, who is a visual artist. She will spend hours and hours and hours on a piece, and if she's just not feeling it at the end... She'll paint over it and try again, or she'll tack something on top of it that is going to change it drastically. And then all of a sudden, when she likes it, it's finished. So if I were making a video game, you know, I might have an initial idea, but I think for the most part, it would just kind of flow over the course of multiple iterations. Maybe I would give myself a subgenre or a, uh, a one-liner and go from there. I guess that's kind of the point of things like game jams, right? So anyway, I'm not doing that anytime soon. I don't need any more reasons to sit in front of a computer, but it's definitely something I would like to do one day. And hey, folks, we're out of time. Thanks for being here. I'm probably going to film uh, the YouTube video I was talking about yesterday, unboxing all of my old stuff that my mom gave me. So I'm going to go do that. And I'll be back tomorrow as always. So until next time, farewell.